podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. All this week on NBC4, new products to new technology. Susan Hogan is showing you how local restaurants are changing the way we dine in and take out in this new world. Tonight at 6. A new twist on outdoor eating. A lot of it is creating flexibility. How one local restaurant is making their outdoor space mobile, giving you plenty of sunshine and social distance for a stress-free meal. It's all part of restaurant revitalization. Tonight at 6 on NBC4, working for you. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money? Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Cop Table podcast, where tonight we are going to be reviewing the season so far and looking ahead to the to the next month's fixtures for Liverpool. Also talking about the, the signings that have come in uh, during the summer. So joining me once again for the podcast is Jay Riley. You can get Jay on Twitter at the Cop HQ if you want to give him a follow on there. So, welcome back, Jay. How are you? Yeah, just about uh, recovered from celebrating our title success and we've already started this season well and we're dreaming of, of lifting that trophy once more, aren't we? And, you know, it's been a very good start for Liverpool and, you know, we're obviously going to talk about how September's gone now in this podcast and then moving forward, review and, well, preview what's going to happen in October time. So, yeah, all things are looking good, aren't they, Peter? Yeah, all looking good, Jay. Good start to the season, and that's um, that's where we're going to start with the with the first game when we we come up against the a lead side promoted from the championship. First game put put a good account of themselves. I think they they played quite well, but it was a bit of a strange game, wasn't it? To and fro and end to end end to end stuff. But we we managed to come away and, and get the three points with a with a four three victory. But what was your thoughts on that uh, initial first game, Jay? I thought we played well, to be honest. I think in the media, they gave Leeds a little bit too much credit, really, for what I actually witnessed myself. I think 4-3 certainly flattered Leeds in the game for me. I thought Liverpool were pretty dominant throughout the most of the game. And if you if you analyse the game, I mean... You know, they they were shocking at the back. They were there for the taking, really. And, OK, you might say Liverpool, two of the goals were penalties. But, you know, let's be perfectly honest, the goals that Leeds scored, two of them were, were, were poor defensive errors, really, by Liverpool. I think Trent Alexander-Arnold hadn't had much of a pre-season, had he? And I don't think he was 100% fit going into the game. And he got roasted, really, for, for the Leeds' first goal. And Gomez was poor defending as well. I don't really know what he was doing. Just cut across the play and just got left for dead. And, I actually thought Allison could have done better with the strike as well from Jack Harrison. So it was a, it was a co- collective group of errors really for the first Leeds goal, and then you know obviously Van Dijk. I mean, you know he he put us two on ahead, and then he he made an uncharacteristic mistake, didn't he, to make it two, you know to to let it go to two two and. Bamford, really, for me, I think he's a very poor centre-forward. He struggled last season in the Championship, but he started this season off really well. He's got three and three, which is quite remarkable, really. But, you know, he was the one that, you know, profited from the mistake by Van Dijk to make it 2-2. And it's just very frustrating because, you know, of course, Liverpool were 
as I said before, I thought Liverpool were in cruise control, dominance and lapses in concentration cost us really. And if people were saying about the back end of the last season, the way once we'd won the title, we sort of like switched off a little bit and the performance levels dropped a bit and a few errors crept into our performances. And that seemed to be the case in, in the game against Leeds, didn't it really? Um, but then straight away down the other end, Mo Salah scored one of the goals of the season, really. I know it was the opening day, but what an absolutely unbelievable strike. Nine times out of ten, that goes over the bar, but he just did it clean, clean as a whistle, bang, right in the top corner, superb to make it 3-2. But you think, and then in the second half, Liverpool step it up a bit more and, and get a fourth and fifth and put the game to bed, and it, it just wasn't to be. And then... Leeds made it 3-3 and you couldn't believe what was going on really. I mean, last season Liverpool's defence was was brilliant at times, especially before, you know, obviously the title was wrapped up and I think we went 10-11 games on the spin with clean sheets, didn't we, with Gomez and Van Dijk, the centre-half pair and then to concede three goals to a newly promoted side, it was a bit of a shock to the system really, but... I suppose you do have to credit Leeds to an extent in that game because they showed no fear, did they? Because that's the thing, they they were very attack-minded in the game and, yeah, you might say, well, okay, you know, Liverpool did make mistakes for their goals but ultimately they had to go and what surprised me the most out of Leeds' performance was they actually had more possession than Liverpool. They had 52% possession. That was the most impressive aspect, I thought, of Leeds' display. But as I say, every time Liverpool went forward, it looked like we were going to score. They had a keeper between the sticks who looked awful. They had two centre-halves who hadn't played together before and you could tell they were all over the place. And as I say... Luckily enough, we got a penalty at the end. It was suicide, really, by the new signing, Rodrigo, the forwards, a forward, a typical forwards challenge in the box, really. And um, they brought Fabinho down, and Salah stepped up and got his hat trick from the spot. And you know, like I say, four three flattered them though, because I, I genuinely think Liverpool on another day could have put six or seven past them. That's no exaggeration. I mean, we had a couple of goals disallowed as well. Sadio Mane in the first half and Van Dijk in the second half, which for me should never have been disallowed. There's, there's nothing wrong with it really. The goal. So, like I say, Liverpool were. It was a good start of the season in terms of performance level and to get four goals, but disappointing to concede three to a newly promoted side but as we've seen since then Leeds have won the next couple of games so they're no mugs and they have got a, certainly have got a good manager in Bielsa but um, it was a great way to start the season with three points Yeah most definitely was a, a good start like you say Jay and yeah a bit relieved to get to get over the line and, and get them three points at the end really so after after the Leeds game we had um, a week until the, the Chelsea game didn't we and, and Jordan that time um, the links had been there, hadn't he, with with Thiago, and we managed to get that deal done on the, uh, I think it was the Wednesday, wasn't it, before the, the Chelsea game, and then straight after that, bang, another signing, Diego Jota, which was um, which come right out of the blue for for a lot of the fans, didn't it? So um, we've we've spoke a lot about Thiago, haven't we, off off the podcast and things like that, and and how much of a good player he is, but what what does he actually bring to this um, this Liverpool side, Jay? And just give us your thoughts on the, the signing of Jota as well. Well, look, we've clearly been after Thiago Alcantara for a long time, really, all summer. And I always had my doubts and my reservations about it purely because when you analyse Liverpool's signings ever since FSG took over from the, at the football club, it's not really their philosophy, is it, to sign a player who's 
29 years of age and would have cost a bit of money. I mean, obviously, we have signed players who are around that age age group. We signed Milner on a free. We signed Clavan for a couple of million. We also got Adrian on a free. But this wasn't a free transfer. This was, you know, obviously £25 million. And I, I always had my doubts purely because the amount of midfield players Liverpool have got. And, you know, we talked to a couple of journalists, don't we, a couple of the local ones. And they were all saying, they were adamant that we had to sell a midfield player before Thiago become a possibility to be signed this summer. And that hasn't proved to be the case because obviously we, we haven't sold any midfield players and Thiago rocked up, didn't he? Um, fantastic, you know, an absolutely genuine world-class footballer and arguably probably the the, the biggest name that Liverpool have, have signed. I mean, I know in years gone by, we signed Morientes, we signed Carlines Riedler, we also signed Balotelli, Yari Littmanen, but none of them really of, of the same sort of ilk or the same sort of peak years ahead of them still as Thiago Alcantara really because you know, this is a lad who's just been instrumental in his team winning the treble in Germany with Bayern Munich won a European Cup and he, he was one of the best players in the final you know ultimately this is a, a superstar signing and this is a player who wanted to come to Liverpool he wanted to join he wanted to join the Reds there's no doubt about that and you know it seemed to me like it, it was it wasn't looking likely at, at you know at one point but then it's clear to, to me that Klopp has obviously pushed for this because he knows what a genius little player he is. And at times, if there was any little criticism you could have had of Liverpool, it's sometimes we struggled at times to break teams down in games who, who sit really deep at a low block. And to sign someone like Thiago is just, he is the one. He's the master that can, that you know, who's got the key to unlock these defences for me. And it was just great to get the deal over the line. He is a superstar. There's no doubt about it. £25 million is peanuts, really. Um, yeah, OK, he's 29. But he's still, the way he is, the way he plays the game, he's not the quickest, but it's his football brain, his passing range, everything about him. He's just a little magician, really, in the middle of the park. And, you know, he's probably got a good three or four years ahead of him. There's no doubt about that. So it just sort of like whets the appetite, really, moving forward, doesn't it? Um, so over the moon with his signing, fantastic. And then a little, you know, bonus signing, shall we say. Uh, 24 hours later, we ended up getting Diogo Jota from Wolves. And that was a little bit of a surprise because, I mean, if you look back over some of Liverpool signings, you know, we do like to drag them out, don't we, a little bit. They tend to be ongoing sagas, really, and the Thiago one was certainly that. But the Diogo Jota signing was very similar to arguably the Fabinho signing a few years back after we'd just lost in Kiev, 2018 European Cup final, and pretty much a day or two later, Fabinho was signed out the blue, out from nowhere, 40 million from Monaco. And it was a little bit similar to that. Um, the night before... We actually it got announced about it. There was there was a few rumours. Wolves had had a game, hadn't they? I think it was in the League Cup, and basically wasn't involved in the squad. And there was a few rumours filtering through from the Wolves fan base that they just had a little inkling that he might have been going to Liverpool. And then the next day, there was all the talk Liverpool had made a bid for 
Saar from from Watford, who Liverpool have been interested in all summer, but Watford's were really difficult to deal with, really difficult to do business with. Wanted in excess of forty million pounds, and a lot of that, a large portion of that, up front as well. So basically, Liverpool changed tact, and within twenty four hours, Diogo Jota's having a spectacle at Melwood. So it didn't half move fast and. People might question the fact that you know Liverpool it's forty one million rising to forty five million, so it's similar levels to what Saar would have cost. There's a difference though because Liverpool are only paying ten percent up front this year, so obviously four four point one million. The other four million anyway would be if Liverpool are successful. So if we win the league, win the European Cup, so you gladly pay them that extra four million, don't you? If you if you achieve them great things by winning them big trophies as we have done recently so it's a no-brainer really because he's, he's perfect in the sense that he's acclimatised to, to England he's Portuguese international he's had a couple of seasons in the Premier League so he's adapted well he's a goal scorer he can play in on the left from the left-hand side so we can sort of like give Mane a rest at times or you know, obviously Manny can switch wings and play on the right or down the centre. So it's good to have the options. And to be honest with you, as much as Divock Origi has done Liverpool a really good turn over the last few years, scored some really important goals, none more so in, in the European Cup final and even the semi-final in Barcelona. I think Jota's a lot better better player to have coming off your bench um, to try and change a game. We've already seen some evidence of that already in, in, in obviously one of the games recently. So, you know, yeah, really happy with the signing. Um, he's a bit different to Saar though because Saar is more of an out-and-out winger whereas Jota is more of just a forward player who can play right across the front three. So it's a very clever signing for me, very happy with it, with, with his signature. Um, one that came, you know, a little bit of a shock to some people under the radar. But it was sort of like counterbalanced as well, really, by the sale of, of uh, Hoover. Because, you know, to get £13.5 million for a youngster who we paid ninety grand for a few years ago, Again, it's good business, really. I mean, look, I think Hoover's a good player. I think there's a really good chance that he could have a good future in the game. But I just think he needed game time. And at the end of the day, he was going to play second fiddle to Trent and obviously be competing with Nico Williams for the right back backup spot, really, if you like. And he, he just wanted game time. So, you know, hopefully he'll have a good career at Wolves and, you know, further and beyond but it just wasn't to be at Liverpool but to get 13 and a half million sort of like dilutes the transfer in a way of Jota um, so we can't really complain too much but certainly happy with the two signings we've been crying out for a little bit of strength in depth haven't we and I think them two signs are the two signings for me anyway that makes me feel a hell of a lot more confident now that we can retain this title yeah like you say too who were two very good signings who were going to strengthen the squad and, and have a big part to play in the in the next few seasons at Liverpool anyway. So yeah, after after the signings came in, Jay, we moved on to the Chelsea game on the, the Sunday with, with Thiago starting on the bench and uh, came on half time, didn't he? We we came away with a two 0 victory red card for, for Chelsea in the first half very much um, deserved turned over from from the red, the yellow originally which which was a very poor decision in the first place so yeah rightfully overturned but, but just give us uh, your thoughts on that performance against uh, Chelsea last Sunday Jay Well I always thought it was a good time to play them early on because they made about what six or seven signings this summer spent a hell of a lot of money 225 million pounds I think it is now and you know you always think that 
they've made some really astute signings. So the further we get into the season, the more they gel together. You would expect Chelsea to be a, a lot better side. So it was probably the right time to play them, really. And also they did have a few of them players missing. You know, there was no Chilwell, there was no Ziyech. Um, Pulisic, who's been a little bit of a thorn in our side, I think, certainly last season. Very good player. He was also missing through injury. So they had a few players missing, really. And the likes of Werner and Kai Havertz, it's going to take them time to adapt to a new country, a new club, a new league. Um, so the physicality of the Premier League, it's not easy. It's not like a duck to water. It's difficult for some players. And I thought it was quite evident, to be honest, even in the first half when it was 11 v 11, Liverpool were in total control, really. And all basically Chelsea had was a couple of breakaway chances because Werner is really quick. But, you know, Leading up to the game, we had a little bit of a blow, didn't we? Joe Gomez being out injured, and obviously Gomez is probably our quickest player. He, he, you know, to come up against someone like Werner, you want someone like Gomez and Van Dijk as your parent. But unfortunately, he was injured, so we have to miss the game, and it meant Fabinho had to go centre half. And before the game, people were a little bit concerned because. Fabinho isn't the quickest, is he? Let's be honest. But his reading of the game is sensational at times. And so it proved in that game against Chelsea because the amount of times that he just dispossessed like Werner and he just didn't have a clue what to do. It was like he pocketed them really, didn't he? Apart from a couple of little opportunities, uh, one that he dragged wide. But other than that, I thought Fabinho was outstanding playing out of position. Um, but yeah, Liverpool controlled that first half. There's no doubt about it. We just didn't really create enough in the game, which was a little bit frustrating. And then obviously, right on the stroke of half-time, we had the incident, didn't we, where Christensen rugby tackled Manny really and straight red cards on 100% of red cards shouldn't have even had that you know had to go to VAR at all it was poor as you say from the referee in the first place but obviously justice was served and we were down to 10 men so you just knew second half it was going to be a training session really and just Liverpool had to pick them apart and see if we could you know get the three points and straight away with the introduction of Thiago because as I said before He's been brought to the club to be that man to sort of like unlock the unlock these stubborn defences who play with low blocks. So you knew that Chelsea were going to sit deep and try and pretty much like the first half, and it is on the counter attack. And Liverpool were always going to have the lion's share of possession, especially having an extra man. But straight away, you're seeing the quality with Thiago. I mean, seventy-five passes or something was it broke the record for the half of passes in, in any Premier League game since the Optus stats began, which is incredible, really. And people might say it was only against 10 men, but numerous times over the years in games of football, I think the Optus stats go back to, is it 2003 or something? So like 17 years, how many halves of football of other teams played you know, against the team with 10 men and they've got nowhere near the 75 passing stats that, that Thiago got. So that's a bit of a cop-out. It was an unbelievable stat for him to achieve on a, you know, on his debut for Liverpool. Um, and he certainly did play his part in Liverpool winning that game in the second half. And it, it was a great goal for Sadio Mane to put us in front. Fantastic football and goal by the Reds. Um, and then straight away after that, it was 2-0. Blink of an eye, Kepa, as we all know, very poor goalkeeper. Arguably the worst goalkeeper in the Premier League for me. 
and 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 you know it's touch and go him and Pickford like but he is such a shocking goalkeeper Kepper and didn't surprise me in the slightest that he made a mistake and great pressing by Mane and 2-0 game over and it was just a little bit disappointing we never put three, four, five past them because you know they, they were out on their feet weren't they really after about an hour so the last half an hour Liverpool really should have turned the screw and you know scored a lot more and been a, a more healthy scoreline um, but then Obviously, Thiago gave away a penalty, didn't he? Like, late on in the game. And to be honest, I personally didn't think it was a penalty. I mean, Werner's quick and he cuts across his path and I don't think he hardly touched him and he made an absolute meal of it. And the referee fell for it, in my opinion. And, you know, people might disagree and say it's definitely a pen. But, I, you know, maybe if Liverpool, if Mane or Salah were in that position and he went down, I'd want it you know, a Liverpool penalty for it. But I thought it was very, very harsh. 50-50 for me. And, you know, it was unintentional. Went down in the box, they got the penalty. But then, you know, Alisson's coming for a little bit of criticism lately about not being saving penalties and community shields. Obviously, every single Arsenal penalty was a goal. I don't think he'd saved a penalty for us in his career as he had been here so far. Um but then Jorginho, who's a little bit of a, a penalty specialist, stepped up and done his usual routine. And Alisson read it and saved it. And you no, know, it was great for him, really, because he'd come in for a little bit of unfair criticism. I think he's one of the best goalkeepers in the world, if not the best goalkeeper in the world. And yeah, he has made a couple of mistakes recently. You can't get away from that fact. But, you know, everyone makes mistakes, don't they? It's just you have to minimise their mistakes and make sure it's not a regular thing. And and with Alisson, you just know he's a top quality goalkeeper, as we've since seen. Um but it was a great penalty stop and as I say, great for the lad because it was nice to keep a clean sheet and you could see with the emotion and the passion when he actually did make the save and not just him, you know, with the defenders around him, Van Zyke and you know his teammates were all happy for him as well. So Liverpool ended up seeing the game out and another valuable three points. Yeah, another uh, another good win on the road for the Reds, wasn't it, Jay? And then we moved on to the to the League Cup game against Lincoln when Klopp decided to rest a lot of the the players that played in that Chelsea game, apart from Virgil Van Dijk, which which came as a little bit of a, a surprise to myself to see Virgil lining up in the in the game at, at Lincoln. Um, so, so yeah, just give us uh, your thoughts on the on the the team selection and um, the performance against Lincoln in the in that League Cup game, Jay. Well, yeah, as we know, when it comes to the League Cup and FA Cup, to be honest. Klopp does seem to shuffle the pack a little bit and Liverpool have got a big squad now so he can do it and, and still good players involved in the setup. I mean, you know, Minamino, very good footballer. As I said before, Divock Origi has been, you know, very important for Liverpool, mainly coming off the bench, but, you know, he's been important for Liverpool, hasn't he? Scored some crucial goals in the past, always tends to do well in the cup competitions for us. Um, Shaqiri, and as we've seen, fantastic free kick goals, but Liverpool in front against Lincoln, another really good footballer who's done as a turn, played really well in the, in the Barcelona Champions League semi final as well, didn't he? Um, and then, yeah, the shock inclusion was Virgil van Dijk, but it's because we've got injuries. I mean, you know, Joe Gomez was injured, Joel Matip was injured, so we were struggling really, weren't we? And I don't think he, he really wanted to play two youngsters at the heart of the defence because even though I said there we've got a we've got a good group of players now, we've got a, a pretty big squad, haven't we? I mean, obviously Milner, Milner's 
you know, he, he's the one, isn't he, that normally plays in these type of games, but he, he couldn't play in the game either, could he? So, you know, that was another little blow to us, but we changed the full-backs, Nico Williams, the young Welsh lad, played right-back, and Simicus played left-back, the Greek lad, and we signed back up to Andy Robertson. Um, but then, you know, you look around, thinking Liverpool have got strength and depth now, but he still had players missing, if you like, from that group that played in that game against Lincoln. And when you look at the defence, I mean, without wanting to come be overcritical with some of them, the likes of Adrian's a massive drop-off to Allison, isn't he? Because he, he, he's an accident waiting to happen at times. We've seen it last season. He cost us in the Champions League against that. Let's come to the cost us in the FA Cup against Chelsea. There's numerous occasions where he really did struggle with his kicking and, and he cost us a goal against Southampton early on the season where he hit it straight off Danny Ings. There's another occasion against Arsenal early on the season where he nearly cost us a goal with a Bamiang lobbed him really and it should have been a goal just went around the other side so you're always a little bit heart in mouth when he's between the sticks do you know what I mean so even though we've got a big squad a big group of players now ultimately it's still not watertight especially in the defensive department the rest of the team midfield forward three yeah we've got a great selection to choose from but defensively still concerns me a little bit and we've seen that against Lincoln you know Liverpool put seven past them, but we conceded two. We could have conceded four. On another night, the game could have been 10-4 to Liverpool. It was it was a bit of a crazy game, certainly in the second half anyway, when Van Dijk went off and Fabinho had to go centre-half with young Rhys Williams. So, you know, that's the problem with Liverpool at the moment. And if, if I was going to be critical about our summer transfer dealings, I'm really surprised we haven't signed another centre-back because we are a little bit light in that department. We really are. Um, but, you know, so be it. It is what it is. And we played Lincoln and, um, you know, the game was over in the first half, wasn't it? It was like 4-0. Curtis Jones, fantastic young prospect, 19 years of age. He's ready or, or ready to play in this team. There's no doubt about that. You put him in a Premier League game, he wouldn't let you down. And the thing I like about Curtis Jones, he's a local lad, yet, of course, he's got that little bit of, uh, little bit of arrogance, cockiness about him. But it's a good thing, I think, because he... Every time he seems to play, certainly in these cup competitions, he always seems to score. He's got that knack, creating goals, scoring goals. He's got a massive future, fantastic player for me. Um, and it's frightening at that age, 19, because, you know, Steven Gerrard was arguably our greatest ever player. People say him, Dal Gleish, Graham Sunnis, Ian Rush, you know, John Barnes. When Steven Gerrard was 19, he wasn't doing these things, what, basically Curtis Jones was doing in terms of influence and game scoring a couple of goals here, a couple of goals there. I mean, he scored last season in the, in the Merseyside derby against the full-strength Everton team. Steven Gerrard was not quite doing that at the age of 19, not to them levels for me. So I'm not trying to big him up as much as to say he's going to be as good as Gerrard, but at the age of 19, he's certainly doing things that I can't remember any 19-year-old other than maybe Fowler and Owen who were centre-forward scoring goals. I can't really remember other players having this type of impact that he's having on this team when he plays. Yeah, he needs to start doing it in the Premier League games when he gets his opportunities, but every chance that he gets, he, he grabs it with both hands and he's brilliant. He really has got everything for me in his locker. And, you know, there's no wonder Liverpool don't want to like let him go out on loan anywhere to another club because he's certainly part of this this Liverpool group of players and you know Trent Alexander Arnold got his opportunity. It's so actually when I'm saying there about um 
Fowler and Owen, it's different when you judge them because obviously scoring goals. Well, Trent Alexander-Arnold was thrown in at the deep end, wasn't he, at such a young age, and he's been brilliant the last couple of years himself. But this is what I'm saying. Curtis Jones, to me, is definitely the next one. He's definitely the one for me. He's He's got a future, there's no doubt about it. Um, you know, I, I want to see more of him in Premier League games, I really do, because I just think he's got the gift of being, uh, he's going to be a fantastic player for Liverpool. There's no two ways about it. And, you know, he scored a couple of goals against Lincoln, um, could really have had a hat-trick in the game as well. And I just thought the performance was cruise control, like a training exercise, really. Marco Grujic for me played quite well, scored a goal as well. Um it was it was brilliant. And as I say, Minamino got a couple of goals and we all know what he's capable of. We've seen him in the Champions League last year, signed him in the January time, and basically he took a little bit of time to settle in, hasn't he? It's not been a quick fix for him, but now he seems a lot more settled. He's he's involved a bit more. You can see that he's He's good on the turn. His link plays good. He can hold the ball up quite well for a, for someone who's quite small and slight. Um, he's creative and and he's he's got a knife for goal as well as we've seen. He scored two goals against Lincoln, so it does whet the appetite really moving forward that we have got a little bit more strength and depth now than ever before, really. And also in the second half, Jota made his debut, didn't he? He come off the bench to make his debut in in that game against Lincoln as well. So. You know, it was it was great to, to get a victory in this competition. You know, a good confidence boost for a lot of the lot of the lads. You know, the, the fringe players, like if you like, um, and to score seven goals in any game of football against any teams is decent, isn't it? So, you know, it was good to get the victory and move through to the next round of the competition against Arsenal. Fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's uh, actually Geico. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money. Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Yeah, it was. It was. Um, it was a very good performance from from the players who, who were looking to to push on into into Klopp's first team, if you like, and the ones who were possibly looking to move on and putting themselves in the shop window. Like you say, the likes of Grujic, who, who might be on the move, and maybe Shakiri as well, who, who had a, a very good game, I thought. But <clears throat> yeah, all in all, um, it was a very good night night's work for the for the team that the Klopp put out. So yeah, after that, Jay, we moved on to the. Um, Arsenal game and it, I thought from the start of that game we was we was at that we was on it weren't we and although Arsenal did take the lead with the, with the, with the first chance that they created really they just went down the other end after we dominated the, the early period of the game and I just thought we was we, we was pressing all over the pitch wasn't we we was winning the ball back in high end up at the top end of the pitch and I just thought it was very very good against Arsenal and we, we come away with a 3-1 victory which was was fully deserved and debut goal for, for Diego Jota in the Premier League so yeah what was your what was your your thoughts on that Arsenal victory Jay? Well yeah I mean Arsenal a much improved side aren't they under Mikel Arteta he's just sort of instilled this extra belief in them now really and They've, they've sort of like minimised the errors that they make as as a, you know individual errors as well as team errors, 
And also, um, they've, they've developed a little bit of a backbone now, a bit of a spine to the team, because notoriously over the last, what, decades really, hasn't it? The back end of Enger, the Emery days and stuff, they, they were awful, weren't they, really? They'd really struggled, they soft-centred, and, you know, they were they were basically decimated with players, error-prone players, and, you know, they've, they've sort of, like, improved a lot I think under Arteta not in the sense that they don't control games the way the old Arsenal would 15-20 years ago but they've sort of like a, they, they know how to defend a bit better now as a, as a unit and they don't give away easy opportunities no more and they keep keep honest in games aren't they? they've also got the qualities of Aubameyang and Lacazette in the, in the team and William who they signed in the summer who I thought was a good sign and I just think that you know, when you think about it, it's Liverpool owed them because they beat us the back end of last season and it was two terrible errors really, wasn't it? That led to the goals, one by Van Zijk and one by Alisson and Liverpool control the game but just couldn't score more than one in the game, lost it. And then the Community Shield, we were by far the better team really as well and lost it on penalties. So we, we certainly owed them one. Um and I thought Liverpool were on it from the very beginning. You know, we we were we were really pressing them high up the pitch. You know, we had plenty of opportunities in the first 15, 20 minutes and we, we were massively on top and a goal was coming. We did the bar through Trent Alexander-Arnold. Sadio Mane should have done better with another effort that he had stayed at Leno. Um, I think there was another opportunity in the game as well. I think it might have been through Salah. But then, ridiculously, Arsenal went down the other end, the very first chance and Shocker mistake again to concede the goal. I mean, Robertson, God only knows what he was doing. And like I said, miss it really. And because he missed it, it sort of like put, put Alisson off his save, off his stride really, if you like. And it just looped over and went in. You couldn't believe it. 1-0 down to Arsenal yet again through a mistake. It was just unbelievable. It's like you're thinking to yourself, have these got the end sign over or so something what's going on here but then straight away within a couple of minutes went right down the other end and it was good advantage really by the referee portion who's normally a poor referee but he was really good I thought the other night and played a great advantage and it was a foul on Naby Keita in the lead up to it but played a great advantage and Mo Salah brilliantly really to get past uh, Tierney in the box had a shot and Leno just parried into the path of, of the on-rushing Sadio Mane and equalised and then Soon after that, Robertson redeemed himself, didn't he, with a goal to put us 2-1 up and deserved deservedly led then. Love, lovely ball over from St. Alexander-Arnold's first assist of the season and great little finish by Robertson. Took it on his chest and flipped it, flipped it past the goalie. And then, as I say, second half, Liverpool, we just were crying out for that third goal, really, weren't we? And Arsenal came more into the game, really, I thought, and... Lacazette had a couple of opportunities. One of them was offside, really, but the second one he should have scored. But it was great goalkeeping, as I said before about Allison's coming for a little bit of unfair criticism. But he, he was he stayed big and strong there, and you know made himself look big and great save from him. And that would have been two two at the time. Would have been frustrating because Liverpool had opportunities again. Second half just couldn't seem to get that third goal and. Sadio Mane was absolutely outstanding, I thought, on the night. Um, brilliant performance by him. And he, he wasn't too happy about being substituted, to be honest, with about 10 minutes to go um, for Diogo Jota. 
And in that 10 minutes, Jota could have had a hat-trick. And this is what I'm saying. If if the substitution would have been a Rigi, you might have had one opportunity. Jota moves into the positions. He's such a dangerous, clever footballer. He could have easily have had a hat-trick in that game. The first one was he should have done better, really. Great ball by Mo Salah. Um, and, and he, he hit it into the side net where he should have scored. And if he wasn't going to go for goal, he should really passed it to Firmino, who was free in the, in the six-yard box. But, you know, it was a poor miss, really. But he got into the into a great position. And then, literally five minutes later, Salah took one, one off his toe, which was frustrating and annoying at the time because we were only two-one up and Arsenal just had a dangerous corner situation down the other end. We were crying out for this third goal, and then um, eventually he, he got he got his goal. Um, well taken, ball flipped up, took it on his chest, and there was a few shouts, wasn't he? Really, that potentially it rolled off his arm, but you know seemed a bit inconclusive, and he, he just took it well and and just put it in the, in the bottom corner and three points. Thank you very much. Three wins out of three, and the champions go marching on. Yeah, like you say, Jay, a very, very convincing win and one that put a lot of um, doubts to bed, didn't it? Especially later on when we were 2-1 up and it was getting a little bit weary at times and we thought, are we going to concede here? But no, Jota came on and, and finished the game, didn't he? And then it was game over then, three points and, and off we went um, back above Everton in the table. So now we move on to another League league Cup game on... Um, well, tomorrow night against against Arsenal, don't we? And then followed by a game in the Premier League against uh, Aston Villa on, on Sunday evening, uh, an unusual time of, of uh, 7.15 kickoff. So just uh, um, give us your thoughts on what you, the, the potential lineup in, in both of these fixtures are, Jay, and how you think the games will go. With, with obviously looking forward to the Premier League, he is going to rest uh, a lot of the... The, the first eleven tomorrow, isn't he? So, just give us your thoughts on the the potential lineup for for Arsenal moving on to Villa as well, Jay. Well, the thing with the Arsenal game, it's frustrating because it comes really quick, doesn't it? After the Premier League game against them, and then soon after that, we've got Aston Villa. So, it's effectively we're going to have three games in the space of six days, and because it's at the very start of the season, and really speaking. Some players probably aren't 100% up to speed at this moment in time. So it's difficult to see like them, them having the sheer volume of game time in, in the sense of having to play three on the spin. I'd be very surprised if we have, if, if any player plays in all three games because it's just not the way Klopp does things. And it, it's, a, it's frustrating because... It's against a, a, a Premier League team and a good Premier League team who are obviously, this is one of their main focuses this season, to win a trophy, which realistically speaking, they can probably only win the League Cup, the FA Cup or arguably the Europa League. If, are they even in the Europa League? I'm not even sure, to be honest. They had such a bad season, didn't they? But if they are, they'd obviously still have a chance in that. So cause they're not going to win the league, are they? Let's be honest about it. So, you know, these cup competitions for the club like Arsenal, They've just won an FA Cup and a Community Shield. You know, they'll want to try and win the League Cup. And if you look back to the game that they had uh, against Leicester in the last round, they went fairly strong, to be honest. But I do think when you look at Arsenal's squad, it, it's it's fairly strong in general. They have got some decent players. Um, I'm fully expecting them to go with the likes of Pepe, Nketiah, Saka, 
Tobias, um, Gabriel, even the new signing potentially. So look, you know, they're going to have a fairly strong team out. So when this is when you're looking at Liverpool's team now, and as I said before against Lincoln, yeah, Liverpool have got strength in depth. Liverpool have got a fairly big squad, of course we have. But then the, what worries me the most is defensive side of our game. I mean, look, the forward three potentially could be Minamino down the centre, Shakiri one side, Jota the other side, or Origi might start the game. Uh, midfield, you know, you're looking at Curtis Jones is going to play. Um, you know, maybe Milner, Grudjic. Liverpool have got options. There's, there's, you know, there's no doubt in that Liverpool have got a good squad. Naby Keita might play. Gini Wijnaldum might play. Fabinho, but defensively is an issue. And the reason why I say it's an issue is because, as I said before, there's a massive drop off. To be honest with you, um, from Allison to Adrian, we all know Adrian's. He's a second string goalie. He is what he is, but you know, to me, he, he makes too many mistakes for my liking, and it, it is a concern. Um, and then when you look at the rest of the defence, I mean, right back Nico Williams coming for a bit of criticism after the performance against Lincoln, which was stupid, really, because we won the game seven two. You know that he's a young kid learning his trade. Me personally, I think you know at times he does struggle defensively. I think there's a lot to be. You know, developed in his game. He's good going forward, 100% attitude. There's no doubt about that. But look, he's a 19 year old boy learning his tape. But I do question his defensive abilities. I think he's really poor defensively. And when you add, when you add that to the mix of, of Adrian as well, it's a little bit ropey, isn't it? And then we sign a left back from the Greek league to be the backup to Robertson. And, and he's injured for the game. So that's a concern because really now, I can't see him playing Robertson three games in six days. So who do you play at left back? Because the backup left backs obviously injured for the game. So that's a concern because you potentially could have Milner playing there, thirty-four year old out of position, or you could have a young kid like Larucci playing there. Who to me, again, a bit like Nico Williams, is not a great defender. He's he's basically a failed winger converted to left back so it's not ideal because we're going to have a very inexperienced defence and in the last round we had against Lincoln Van Dijk played for the half in the first half and Fabinho played for the half in the second half they might have to do something like that because I think Reese Williams will probably get a go again um, but I wouldn't really like to play Reese Williams with Cometio the, young, the 17 year old French kid centre half against the likes of Niketia, Pepe and Saka. I just think it'd be suicide, really. So we need some sort of experience there in the back line for me. And it may well be Joe Gomez, because Gomez did miss the last cup game and he did miss the Chelsea game. But then the flip side is, Gomez played against Arsenal on Monday night. If he played in midweek, then is he going to play again on Sunday against Aston Villa? So that would be like what I've just said at the very start of this. He'd be playing three games in the space of six days. And I just can't see Klopp doing that because obviously priorities for Liverpool is to retain the title, win the league again, and maybe win the European Cup again. The League Cup is down, low down on our list of priorities. There's no doubt about that. It, you know, trophy-wise, prestige-wise, financially, it's fourth on the list. There's no doubt about it. But us as fans, you, you want to try and win every cup competition you're in. It's just, it's in our nature as fans. You get a taste for success. We won the league, we won the European Cup, 
we won the World Club Cup, we won won the Super Cup. We want we want more. Do you know what I mean? We're greedy as fans, so we don't want to be playing such a weakened team and go out this competition to Arsenal. We want to make sure we've got an adequate enough team to win the game. So, as I say, in the midfield and and the forward area is not a problem. I just am a little bit concerned about the defensive side of things, and to have like inexperienced fullbacks with a little bit of a ropey goalkeeper as well between the sticks. I think you need that little bit of security um, at centre back. I really do think one of them's got to play. It, it, it's it's simple. We need one of them to play. So, um, yeah, for for me, whoever it is, Van Dijk, Gomez, or Fabinho, one of them's got to play for me in the first half, and maybe one's got to play in the second half. A bit like the Lincoln game. So that's what I would like to see for this game against Arsenal. Um, I think it'll be tough because, as I said before, this is probably more of a priority for Arsenal than it is for Liverpool. And also, if you remember last season, this we played them, didn't we, in this competition? It was five all, went to a penalty shootout. So they, they might think they owe us one. The way we thought we owed them one going into the Premier League game on Monday night, they might think they owe us one for this competition from last season. So it's going to be interesting. Um, and if I was going to predict it, I think there'll be goals because there always tends to be goals when Liverpool play Arsenal. But there tends to be goals for both teams as well. It's very rare that there's clean sheets involved. So I'll probably go for a 2-2 draw and it'll be a penalty shootout and then it's the lottery then whoever wins and obviously I'm going to back Liverpool to win on a penalty shootout. Yeah, fingers crossed we uh, we get through to the to the next round as, as well. Okay then, Jay, uh, just the last um, little segment we're going to talk about is the next few games coming up to Premier League. We'll cover a little bit of the, the October games and um, obviously there's a, there's a break in between isn't it before uh, sorry after the Aston Villa game before the, the Merseyside derby so um, obviously with Thiago having contracted the the coronavirus he's not going to be playing for at least 10 days is he so that should give him time to to come back to the Everton game but yeah just um, just give us a, a, a brief um, insight into your thoughts into the month of October Jay well, yeah, it starts, doesn't it, with um, the game against Aston Villa, who much improved Aston Villa. They've made about, again, five or six signings, and they've started the season quite well. They've won the first two games, albeit against teams that Sheffield United are struggling, aren't they, without fans? I mean, even the restart last season, they were in a great position, potentially, to go for the fourth place, fifth place for Europe, and they just fell apart, didn't they? And, um, they've started this season poorly as well lost three on the spin haven't scored a goal and Aston Villa was one of them defeats Aston Villa beat them 1-0 and then Villa played Fulham didn't he on the Monday night and you know as I say Fulham it's crazy to think it already after three games but we can already see the teams two of the teams that are going to be relegated this season Fulham and West Brom and you know Fulham were put to the sword by Villa Villa beat them 3-0 so Villa have had a good start they've won two out of two not conceded the goal um, yeah played two poor teams but now this is the acid test against Liverpool but I do think it'll be a tough game because thing is the tails are up they've breathed a little bit of confidence through them victories because they've also won a couple of games in the League Cup as well. So they've actually won four out of four so far this season, the same as Liverpool. Um, and then what you've also got to consider is if you analyse the games that we played them in last season, the game of Villa Park, I mean, 
Liverpool were in control. I think I looked at the stats. We had like seventy-five percent possession, twenty-four shots. You know, they had about four. But Liverpool were one 0 down in that game, if you remember, until late on, and Andy Robertson scored. We well, I was late on, and then Mane scored an injury time. And you know, when you think about it, it was a really difficult game because Villa also had a really good chance to make it two 0 in that game as well. So, you know, when you think about it, all things considered. It's not an easy place to go, and of course now there's no fans there, is there? So it's different without fans. You're always back the superior football team to win the game, and that is Liverpool. But I just think as well, if you look back to that game, they didn't have no Jack Grealish. He never played in that game. He was injured, and he's obviously started this season on fire and ended last season quite well also. And he's going to be on the, you know, he's going to be starting this game, isn't he? And, like I say, they've made a couple of decent signings. They've got a better goalkeeper now between the sticks as well. Like the 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 fella from Arsenal, who they Martinez. Um, but someone put their team up on Twitter today, and the defence is shocking. It's still shocking. I don't care what anyone says. Target left back. Um, the Tyrone Mings, who I just don't rate at all. I think he's a big dog at the back. We've got that Conza, and. Um, Who's the the other fella they've got to sign the right back in the summer? Matty Cash from Forest. To me, that's a championship yeah. line. So, so that championship back line has to be targeted on Sunday. And Liverpool could and should score a few. The only thing I will say, as touched on before, Jack Gilles, very good player, um, and they're not a bad side. I thought last season the injury to John McGinn affected them really badly because he was one of their best performers and now he's back as well, so he's playing. He'll be there in that team as well on, on Sunday. They just got Ross Barkley on loan as well. So I think that they are a lot better. They signed that Traore as well from Leon, who's a little bit awkward at times, but he can make things happen. Watkins looked good in the Championship last season as well for them. The Brentford forward, the ex-Brentford player. So look, you know, at the end of the day, I do think like they're an improved side, but Liverpool still should have too much for them. And yeah, okay, we look at the game at Anfield it, when obviously the restart occurred. Liverpool had already won the league, but for about 70 minutes, it was quite even. It, it wasn't the best of games and Liverpool made a couple of substitutions and scored two goals late on. Curtis Jones got the second, I think, to wrap it up. We won 2-0. Um, but it was a far from convincing performance. But you can't really read too much into that one because the, the title was already wrapped up. It was like a training exercise for Liverpool. But as I say, you know, if you look back to the game at Villa Park last season, it was 2 1, two late goals. So to, to be honest with you, I think it could be a tough game. But all things considered, I just can't see them keeping Liverpool out. As I said before, that defence on paper to me doesn't look very good at all so I'll go for Aston Villa 1 Liverpool 3 so moving on after that then we, it'd be great because if we do get a victory then that'd be 4 out of 4 wouldn't it um, going mm. into the international break and then after the international break then you know it's mouthwatering isn't it it's it's the Merseyside derby and we all know what type of start that Everton have had to the season Um you know, they've won three out of three so far. I think they've got Brighton, haven't they, on, on Saturday um, at Goodison. So, potentially could be four out of four for Everton. So, you could very well be Liverpool and Everton going into the Merseyside derby with, you know, 100% records, really. And someone's always got to go type of mentality, hasn't it? Um, and, you know, yeah. of course, look, you know, Everton have got a good manager, Ancelotti. 
very good manager. There's no doubt about that. You know the, the things that he's won over the years at the various clubs he's managed. You know AC Milan. We've had experience of that. Have me ourselves in European Cup finals against them. Of course, he went to Real Madrid. There, uh, you know, won stuff in Spain. Went to Bayern Munich. Won stuff in Germany. Ultimately, he's a top class manager, and it it's still a little bit in disbelief that he's rocked up at Everton. You know, our little city neighbours if you like it's it's incredible really that he's their manager but it just goes to show the amount of money that they've they've got and they've, they've been bankrolled by machinery really and some salesman off in the background as well but it is mystifying that someone like Carlo Ancelotti with the unbelievable CV that he's got is Everton manager you know Everton haven't won a, haven't won a carrot for 25 years um, you know they don't play in Europe or anything they've been shocking for a long time severe mismanagement at that football club I think since Machiri's been there since 2016 he spent half a billion on players and you know it's it's crazy really but they've got Ancelotti and look already you can see he's stamping his authority on that team that club the way they play they've got a, a lot more they're a lot more entertaining now, shall we say, to watch. Um, you know, they've started the season well, but they've not really played anyone yet. Okay, they'd be Tottenham on the opening day, but things happen on the opening day of the season. We've seen it ourselves against Leeds. We nearly got caught cold, didn't we, ourselves? But, um, you know, like I said, it's one of them things. They, they've, they've, they can only beat what they put, what's put in front of them, if you like. And they've, they've won a couple of League Cup games as well. So they've built their confidence up, haven't they? So this is probably, arguably, one of their best opportunities, their best chances to to win a Merseyside derby. Because let's not forget, they haven't won a derby for 10 years, a decade. So it's it's, it's that's embarrassing, really, isn't it? Let's be honest. So, so some might say they're due. But this is a special Liverpool team and Liverpool don't lose that often, do they? Do you know what I mean? So no matter how good Everton have done or how, how well they've started this season, as I said about Villa starting well this season, the acid test is for them when we played them on Sunday. Then the acid test is for Everton then after the international break to see how good they really are because they're coming up against the best team in the land. So it's going to be interesting. But I just think because Everton are a little bit more entertaining now. They've got better attacking players. They've got players that Ancelotti wanted, like Sir James Rodriguez, who he'd worked with before. Alan, who he'd worked with before at Napoli. They signed Decore, who obviously he's not worked with him, but he, he must have known him from the Premier League last season. He's always been on the radar, even when Marco Silva was the manager. So maybe that's a Marcel Brand signing. Um, but look, at the end of the day, Everton have improved. They, they have improved, and that's the biggest compliment I can say to them. You couldn't get much worse, but they've improved a lot, and it's a lot of it's down to the manager. You know, if you, you've got a good manager in charge of your football team, then results are going to improve regardless of your personnel on the pitch. But he is stamping his authority. He's got the players he's wanted now. And I just think, all things considered, there's been a lot of the, the derby games at Goodison have been cagey the last few years. And I just think now they might think, we can have a go at these. We've got Richarlison, we've got Calvert-Lewin, we've got James Rodriguez, we've got Bernard, we've got uh, Andre Gomez. They've got players you can have a go at us. So, OK, let's let's see what you're made of. Have a go at us and we'll see what happens. And hopefully, hopefully, it plays right into our hands. You know, if it plays right into our hands, then hopefully Liverpool will get the three points. And I, I'm fairly confident. I think... It's, it's got all the hallmarks of 
they've got giddy. They've won a few games. Liverpool turn up, bang, and we just basically beat them. And and I think that's exactly what will happen. I think they might score against us because, as I said, then they've got better attacking options now. So okay, fair enough. We give them a goal, but um, I think Liverpool about three past them. So say another three-one Liverpool win. Great stuff. Cheers, Jay. Okay then. Well, uh, that's where we will uh, wrap up the the cop table pod. Podcast for our our review of uh, September, moving on to the the preview of uh, October. So, um, yeah, before we go, we always say uh, a big thanks to the to the LSE day trippers, Gavin, everyone for putting the uh, time and effort into to edit our podcast. So, big thanks to them. Also, don't forget to keep up with the No More Knives campaign with Paul Bentley, Lee Butler, all the people over there doing the, the good work around the Merseyside area, trying to combat the, the knife crime that's uh, blighting the, the Merseyside area at the time. So, yeah, keep up to date with that as well. So, yeah, thanks very much for, for joining us on the, the first Cop Table podcast that we've done this season, Jay, and um, be back next month with our next one, won't we? Yeah, you know, hopefully it goes well for us in October. I mean, of course, we want to go through to the quarterfinals of the League Cup. I do think it'll be tough against Arsenal. It's a difficult one to call because it, it's probably more important to them than it is us. So, like I say, I've predicted 2-2 and a penalty shootout. And when it goes to penalties, it's an absolute lottery, isn't it? It can go either way, like we've seen in the Community Shields. And we also seen last season in the League Cup against Arsenal, which we won. Um, in terms of the, the league games, as I touched on there, we've got two. We start October with two tough uh, away fixtures, really, against Villa and Everton, who both started the season well, you know, either side of the international break. But I, I just think Liverpool will, will win both games, just purely because they probably have a goal as both teams. And that can be suicide against Liverpool. And I think Liverpool will win convincingly in both. And, as I say, when we get further into October, we didn't really touch on these games, but we've got a couple of home games then. Uh, the Champions League draw is going to be made on Thursday, so we'll know our fate in the group stages, so we'll know a couple of games that we've got around them fixtures towards the end of October. Um, but they're both home games, one's against Sheffield United and the other one's against West Ham. So, you know, like I say, if we can get these two victories in the away games against Villa and Everton, we've got two really really winnable games at home then at the end of October as well and and look you don't want to get too carried away but Liverpool could easily be sitting there on seven victories on the spin though similar situation to what we had last season when we started so well and we blew teams away and, and the title was done by Christmas time look I'm not getting carried away but it's possible when you look at them fixes in October time to me, there's no reason why Liverpool can't take maximum points, and let's hope we do so. Spot on. Great stuff, Jay. Thanks for joining us once again. So, yeah, that's um, the Cop Table podcast all done. And um, thanks, everybody, for listening. And we will speak to you all very soon. Goodbye. So, let's say you're into yoga or Pilates, or maybe you dabble in gymnastics like me. Either way, you know being flexible is key to doing what you love. That's why Smoothie King created this stretch and flex smoothie for people like us. With whole fruits and organic veggies, plus type 2 collagen, make it part of your daily fitness routine to support flexibility and joint health. So try the Stretch and Flex smoothie and tart cherry or pineapple kale. Order online today for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. 
All this week on NBC4, new products to new technology. Susan Hogan is showing you how local restaurants are changing the way we dine in and take out in this new world. Tonight at 6. A new twist on outdoor eating. A lot of it is creating flexibility. How one local restaurant is making their outdoor space mobile, giving you plenty of sunshine and social distance for a stress-free meal. It's all part of restaurant revitalization. Tonight at 6 on NBC4, working for you. Sports Social Podcast Network.